Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to a new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I'm your host today, Scott Reynolds. Along with me is my guest, John Ledyard. Usually we do this the other way around. But John, since you're getting settled in in your new house in Florida, I figured I would take over the hosting duties today. I appreciate it, Scott. Uh, I appreciate everybody pairing with us as we're getting a lot of things figured out this week at Pewter Report. I'm getting moved and, and sorted out and situated here in Florida. As you can see, the office space is coming along yeah. pretty well. Uh, Got to get some Celsius cans in here, obviously, but it's coming along pretty well so far. I'm on my phone today, so my, our internet gets set up tomorrow, so I could only do this via phone. So sorry if the sound quality isn't quite what it normally is on my mic um, and on my laptop. But uh, I'm really excited to be back on the show with everybody after a good week of shows that I, that yeah. I wasn't able to be on. And I uh, appreciate the fans sticking with us and having fun with us and Ready to preview this upcoming game against the Vikings. This is a big, big, big game, John, as you know. And we're going to dive all into the intricacies, offense, defense, what the Buccaneers have to do to beat the Vikings on Sunday and stay ahead of them and maybe make up some ground in the NFC playoff picture. We'll see how the other teams out there in the NFC West do. But before we do that, John, you know what time it is. It's time to talk about Celsius. John, as you know, the Pewter Report podcast is energized by Celsius. And I'm going to do something I haven't done before. Um, I'm chug gonna, one. Chug I'm going to try. I'm not going to chug it. It's, it's a sparkling <laughs> beverage. Uh, I'm going to try the sparkling wild berry live on air for the first time. Wow. That's the one opinion. I want. Wow. That's really good. That's, that's really the one good. I want. That's when I looked at all their flavors, that yeah. was the one top of my list and i haven't tried it yet i tried grape today for the first time it was awesome grape is fantastic orange still my favorite but i'm just saying this this celsius the wild berry i i didn't think i was gonna like it and actually i do there's a couple i don't like i'm not gonna mention which ones i don't like <laughs> but the honesty the transparency yeah yeah this wild, wild berry is really good it's not it's not too tart which I was expecting, and it's not too sweet, which I was kind of expecting too. Maybe that's why it has no sugar, no preservatives. So, yeah, Celsius home run with the wild berry here. So now the great thing is with Christmas and the holidays coming up, you might be asking yourself, uh, where can I go to get some of this great Celsius product for myself or a loved one? Well, here's the answer, John and Peter and Nation out there. You go to PeterReport.com. You click on the the Celsius banners. They're going to take you to Amazon where you can buy whole bunch of flavors like wild berry in bulk and save you some money. And if you're not sure which flavor you like, well, that's great because you can get the variety pack and then you can taste them all and see for yourself which ones are your favorites. Then you can buy those in bulk at Amazon or other retailers and save yourself some money. And uh, as, as you know, probably by now, Celsius powers active lives mm -hmm. every day with essential functional energy, whether it's before or after the workout, or if you just need to pick me up in the afternoon like I do sometimes, make sure you're choosing Celsius. Yeah. 
I have a funny Celsius story, actually, Scott. When I was, I was on my way, we're on our way to Florida, and the truck's already on its way down. And so my family and I, my wife and my two kids, Kaylee and Harper, four and one-year-old, were going to her sister's house in Pittsburgh, and we're flying out from there the next morning. And so we are staying there, and I brought a bunch of cans of Celsius, and I forgot to put them in the bag when we left. So I left, like, four cans in their fridge. Well, my brother-in-law tried all, he drank all four of them in, like, two days or something like that so he's probably bouncing off the walls but also no kidding. he loves them so he's like yep. ordering like a ton of celsius my brother just tried one because i gave him one to try he loves them so he's getting celsius so it's I'm, I'm amazed that i love them as much as i do i it's fun to promote a product that we actually buy into and enjoy yes. um and and really just pumped to, that celsius is able to have been partners with us on the peter report podcast for sure no doubt about it uh we got a, an early comment here from Chris King. Shout out from Australia. Yeah, um, let's go. That's awesome. You know, I'm not going to do anything like, good I might put another shrimp on the bobby. I'm not going to do any of that thing that would make Chris or anybody feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to save all those. <laughs> Chris is cringing. <laughs> those Australian accents. Um, I'm going to stash those away. Um, and notice I'm drinking a Celsius, not a Foster's mite. <laughs> So, um, Vikings, let's, let's, yes, Vikings, let, let's get on with the show, shall we? So, oh man, I'll tell you what worries me, Scott. Uh, I know okay. I've been away from the game for a couple days here, uh, yep. but the Bucks against a quarterback that's hot, uh, and against two of the better receivers in the league right yep. now. I think Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson both rank near the top of the league and pro football focuses wide receiver rankings, both even if you don't, 90s, yeah, I was gonna rankings. say, yeah. right elite rankings even if you don't put a lot of stock in pff grades which i understand depending on the position and, and and things like that um there's no doubt these guys are having great seasons and they've been tough to cover and honestly it reminds me a little bit of the combination of robert woods and cooper cup um in, yeah. with the rams and how they shredded this secondary both guys are just tough know how to get open finish on the ball extremely well and they're great in the red area the Vikings have been dynamite in the red area this season. Obviously a strength for the Bucs as well, but it's going to be huge for both these defenses to be able to play tough in the red area because I think there's going to be a lot. The waste on the way most both these defenses and both these secondaries have looked uh, this season, and especially of late, I think there's going to be a lot of ball movement in this game, and it's going to come down to who can finish more in the red zone probably. Yeah, and you talk about finishing. These Minnesota Vikings, John, uh, they, they really have stepped it up in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, the last couple games, uh, we saw a furious comeback against the Carolina Panthers that stunned the Panthers. And then uh, against the lowly Jaguars. I mean, I say lowly, but, but uh, it, it, you know, on, on any given Sunday, right? We just saw the Redskins go into Pittsburgh. And, and maybe the Redskins win the NFC least. I think they're going to. I, I like them over the Giants right now just because they've got a healthier quarterback situation and that defensive line so good. But, mm -hmm. but um, you know, the, the Jaguars really took the Vikings all the way to yeah. overtime. And, um, and, and, and I think that game, when I was watching it, really uh, pointed out a couple things to me. Uh, first of all, the Minnesota offensive line gave up four sacks in that game. And uh, Jacksonville is one of the worst pass rushing teams. So I, I think that with a week's worth of rest, the Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, maybe a blitzing Levante David, a blitzing uh, Devin White, and maybe a blitzing uh, Antoine Winfield or, or Jordan Whitehead uh, off the edge can really cause some problems for Kirk Cousins. Uh, one of the things that when, you, when you're playing against a, uh, a Gary Kubiak offense, 
like the Vikings have is you're you're going to get play action bootleg, right? A lot of it. Yep. And that's one thing Kirk Cousins can do. He's not the most mobile guy in the fact he's he's not like uh, uh, you know Lamar Jackson or, or Michael Vick where those guys get outside and they rip off major runs. But what he does is he just gets outside the pocket, has that clean throwing lane uh, oh. away from congestion. And that's when he can find Thielen or Jefferson down the field for big plays. So uh, this week more than ever, you really got to have good discipline and setting the edge and ma- making sure that you contain whether you're Shaq Barrett or whether you're Jason Pierre-Paul or Anthony Nelson if you're coming in as, as a, uh, a guy that's, that's spelling either one of those players and make sure that you come straight up the field mm-hmm. and create that box because if you start to flow in and follow that back down the line of scrimmage trying to make a tackle from behind, that's when Kirk Cousins goes around and, yeah. and, and and then is wide open to either run or pass. Right. I think that's one of the keys to the game, to be honest, Scott. Like you said, I mean, Kubiak's offense is built off of attacking the backside edge defenders. So he wants yeah. to put that player in conflict on a consistent basis. So outside zone, you leave him unblocked. If he comes down the line of scrimmage hard, you start pulling the ball and the quarterback starts booting out with an open, clean pocket, like you said, out on the perimeter. And he's got space. He can run it. He can throw it. He's got time. He's got space. He's got, uh, like you said, the clean platform and clean throwing lane on the boot. If he starts playing the boot, you just give it to Dalvin Cook and you start letting him run backside uh, that that bend it back read on the outside zone. And Dalvin Cook does that as well as anybody. You know, put your foot in the ground and wait till the linebackers flow too hard and come downhill. So it's going to be a lot of pressure on Levante David and Devin White to make sure they're disciplined in the run games and not over-pursuing. Stay in Green their Bay. gaps. Right. Green Bay Stay didn't boot gaps. off of it a lot. Green Bay did yep. a lot of the – does a lot of the thing. And same with the Rams. Rams didn't boot a ton in that game. As, as much as they do boot in their game, neither the Rams or the Packers, who both run plenty of outside zone, have used a ton of boot. I guarantee the Vikings will. So they'll run those yep. outside zone concepts, <laughs> which really Levante David and Devin White have been very successful against this season. Mm-hmm. Terrific stuff from them against the outside zone this year, but they'll boot off of it more. So they'll get those guys flowing downhill fast play side. They'll boot out the backside and then they'll throw some combinations and cousins can throw on the move. So it is a lot. It's a lot for the linebackers, but it's a lot for Shaq Barrett, especially probably booting that way with the right-handed Kirk cousins. They'll Mm -hmm. probably put him in conflict a good bit. And he's played that pretty well this season. Honestly, he's been one of his strengths. So I like the Bucks matchup there. Yeah, I do too, and and I think that this is the type of game uh, where if you're one of those edge rushers, Shaq or JPP, the quarterback's going to be coming right to you. You just got to be there in position to get your hands up, bat a ball, maybe intercept a pass, right? Um, or at the very least, get the quarterback on the ground and, and sack him. So, um, you know that 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 to me, it it pre- it, it presents itself an opportunity for sacks, but at the same time, if you if you're not where you should be and rushing up the field and, and having that contain with the quarterback, it can create some big-time opportunities for the offense. The other thing, too, that Kirk Cousins does a very nice job of, and it caught the Jaguars' defensive line once, I would suspect we're going to see a couple of instances uh, of offsides, neutral zone infractions, something we've seen too much of lately down the stretch, John, because Shaq Barrett trying to jump the snap count. Matter of fact, Shaq has been flagged seven times this year for either offsides or neutral zone infractions. We also saw Ndamukong Sue uh, get flagged for that. Jason Pierre-Paul, I think, has been hit once or twice. But Kirk Cousins with the hard count 
it's it's something to watch for and mm -hmm. i think that he is going to be deploying that and if you're a, 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 you know a pass rusher with an itchy trigger finger like Shaq is he likes to jump the snap count and get that head start on the tackle you're 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 susceptible to possibly getting flagged five yards for the you know for and, and given that that free play mm -hmm. uh to kirk cousins and so that's yeah. something to watch out for yeah the vikings they don't just attack you in one way you know for some reason kirk cousins kind of build as this quarterback who can't play under pressure can't make plays outside of structure and can't throw the ball down the field just kind of like this simple in a box quarterback and that's really not who he is i mean there's the one thing that's true about kirk cousins is that who he is in one week doesn't necessarily matter for who will be the next week. That's probably the biggest yeah. knock on Kirk Cousins. He could be great for a couple weeks in a row, and then he could just lay an egg out of nowhere. You just mm -hmm. That's always been the thing with Cousins. He rarely is not like a complete week-to-week -week dominant, high degree of difficulty yeah. throw season. If you took Cousins' best plays and throws, you know, and, and you would put him up against the other top guys, honestly, I think you'd be pretty impressed. It's right. not like his – people act like his highs – aren't that high, but they are. Like, yeah. He's made some great throws in his career, some great moments, but the problem is that it hasn't necessarily always equivalented to team success, and so he doesn't get the respect that I think he, his level of play honestly deserves. He's a good quarterback. He might be the best quarterback they face the rest of the season based on the way he and the teams are playing, yeah. and it's a right. huge test. I mean, this secondary has been terrible, Scott, and these yeah. receivers are great, and um, I just don't know how realistic it is for us to expect this secondary to step up and handle these guys, you know, Thielen and Jefferson and even mm -hmm. the tight ends, even though they're banged up right now, unless yeah. the Bucks' defensive line really carries this game and has a huge impact. I think the onus is on them to really dominate this game because the Vikings want to run it first and foremost, have to shut that down. But also, if you can get pressure and the Vikings' O-line isn't great in pass protection, mm -hmm. the scheme helps them. And yeah. if a couple guys that are banged up, Bradbury and Ezra Cleveland and – Riley Reef all kind of banged up right now. We'll yeah. see what their status is for Sunday. But those that's where the Bucs have to win this game defensively, yeah. in my opinion. Great points. But at the same time, there's a reason why the Vikings have had to come back to win some of these right. games. It's mistakes. I saw Kirk Cousins take some really bad sacks uh, in the Jacksonville game. Also throw a pick six to Joe Schobert on, mm -hmm. on a, a, a bad play. And, and the thing with Cousins is if you can get pressure on him, he will throw off his back foot. And that's what happened on the pick six. So – his fundamentals break down when he's pressured. It's not just Tom Brady, folks. I mean, it's most quarterbacks that way, really. But like you yeah. said, get pressure on him, force him into mistakes. And and then when when he does throw some of those errant passes, this secondary has got to to catch those. Pass breakups, not going to be good enough once you get into December and in um, in the, the postseason. you got to be a hero. Make some hero plays. That means catching the balls that they throw to you. And you mentioned Thielen. And Jefferson, Jefferson is the guy that's really taking the top off the defense, averaging 18 yards a catch. Thielen's the steady Eddie, uh, more of the possession guy at age 30 than he was a couple years ago as the deep threat. So his role great route runner, great, great route runner in the red zone, great in the red zone. 11 great. out of his 12 touchdowns have come in the red zone this year. And and let me get your thoughts on this, John. If I'm Todd Bowles. I am not putting Carlton Davis, my number one cornerback, on Jefferson, even though Jefferson is the more lethal of the two in terms of big playability down the field. Mm -hmm. I'm watching the tape from Kansas City, and not that Jefferson has Tyree Kill speed. He doesn't. 4-2-9 and 4-4-3 are two different things. But um, I like the, the style of play, the physicality, the, the size that Carlton Davis brings against Thielen. 
So right. I'm matching him up one-on-one against Thielen and taking him away. Then I'm putting Jamel Dean with the safety over the top, and I'm bracketing uh, Jefferson. That's how right. I would attack the Minnesota Vikings offense if I'm Todd Bowles and I'm playing defense. You know, we talked about this all season, Scott, but if you don't play Pratt's in this game, I just think you're going to really struggle because if there are two guys you do not want to give space to get comfortable as route runners, it's Thielen and Jefferson. I'd say both of their biggest strengths are probably their ability to run routes and tilt defenders and off coverage. I mean, Jefferson played in the slot all last year for LSU because he's such a good route at the top of his stem. If he gets to his route clean, he can create separation as well as any receiver in the league. And he's a rookie. I mean, he's that good at it. You cannot give him clean releases, you know, in the NFL, the biggest challenge for Jefferson, and he's been good in those these situations, but you have to keep challenging him with press coverage. You cannot allow him to get off the line of scrimmage easily and or Thielen, because those are both guys who will just eat up space. If you haven't, they will get you off balance. They will manipulate you, and it's a really scary matchup if Jamal Dean even plays. We'll even see if he ends up playing. I think he didn't practice again today, I don't believe, um, with a new injury now. Isn't there groin or something? Yeah, and uh, you know, th- there's still some hope that he plays because Sean Murphy Bunting's confidence has really been in the tank, and if, if that's the matchup where you've got to put Jefferson on Murphy Bunting, who is, again, more fleet of foot than – than Carlton Davis is, but uh, you've got to have safety help over the top. And I really think that the safety position outside of of uh, Jordan Whitehead, who I thought played really well against the Rams, I think the safeties have not done nearly enough to help out these cornerbacks in terms of making plays. Pass breakups haven't been there. We've only seen one inter- interception that was that kind of hero play I was talking about. Jordan Whitehead. Where Jordan Whitehead was just like, screw it. I see it. I'm going to go get it right yeah. in, in the fourth quarter against the Rams. And, and they got to take a little bit more chances. And, and, I, and Antoine Winfield, you know, Bruce Arians was kind of protecting his guy. I know he hasn't hit a rookie wall or anything. I mean, I've talked to plenty of NFL players that are rookies. There is such a thing as a rookie wall. It's real. Hopefully this week off has recharged Antoine Winfield's batteries a bit where he can get focused for this, this stretch here. But he was making more plays at the beginning of the season than he was uh, down the end down the stretch here. And he's a player that really has got to step back in to uh, that role as a playmaker and make some more plays. How about these cornerbacks, John? Yeah, I think part of the problem is, Scott, that the Bucks play so much single high coverage that it's become really difficult for them to get the kind of production they need out of the safety position to make those kind of impact plays. And, and you talk about helping out helping out corners. It's a lot harder to do when you're in the middle of the field. You know what I mean? A lot more just, grass to cover. A lot more grass to cover, a lot more anticipating. You've got to take care of other stuff first. Uh, so, you know, the biggest change that the Bucs need to make, honestly, especially, you know, maybe against Minnesota, you might be able to be, you know, to be get away with it because Minnesota, if there's one good thing, they try to establish the run pretty heavily usually before they get to the pass game. That's why they have to come back so often. Not that they aren't good at running. It's just, you don't live and die in the NFL today on the run game. You know, you got to be able to throw the ball. And so um, unless you have a dominant defense, maybe, and they, they haven't had that this season, although the units been, been better, certainly at some er- in some areas as the year's gone on. But that to me is one of the biggest things. If you're going to face some of the teams they're going to face and you're going to play single high coverage, your corners are going to be on the Island a lot of the time. And you look at teams like Indianapolis and you look at teams like the Rams, and you know, I know, you know, Jalen Ramsey, but you know, a lot of these other corners are like, man, who the, He's Xavier Rhodes is having this bounce back year and, you know, uh, Rocky Sin and like all these, you know, they're, they're all suitable for the Colts. And who was it the other day that was playing the Washington, you know, Washington's yeah. playing 
the other day, and their secondary is like third in the league or something. And you're like, what? I don't know any dudes on this team. It's yeah. just because they play good team football and they yeah. play two high safeties and they understand, hey, this is how we got to defend and we can do this and we can still stop the run. The Bucks have not understood that they can still stop the run in those situations. And so because of that, their corners are on an island a lot more than they should be. Don't think you can get away with it the rest of the year and be successful like they were at the beginning of the year. Um, Got to start playing two high safeties, I think. Stopping the run, boy. I mean, and and this is the game where I don't think you're going to see a lot of cover two, John, for that reason, right? Todd Bowles is 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 manic about stopping the run. You've got the second leading rusher in the NFL, Dalvin Cook, 1,250 yards, averaging five yards per carry, 13 touchdowns on the season. He's coming off of a game where he had 179 yards of total offense, 59 yards through the air as a receiver, and 120 yards on the ground. And he, he can rip off big plays. He's He's got five runs of 20 yards or more. Actually, Rojo has more than, than Cook does with six. But we're going to see a, a matchup of, of two of, of the top four running backs in the league on Sunday as, as Cook – and Rojo go head-to-head. Uh, when you look at Dalvin Cook as a receiver, John, boy, he is the envy of what the Buccaneers want out of a, of a pass-catching back. This is a true three-down back, first, second, and third down. He's caught 35 of 43 targeted passes for 314 yards, averaging nine yards per catch, John. I know you're jealous about that number. After oh, my gosh. What Rojo and, and Leonard Fournette have done around six this year. And he scored a touchdown. So uh, th- this this is a player that does not come off the field for, for the Vikings. He had, I believe, 38 touches in the last game. He says he's fresh and feels good. And um, and I get a funny feeling he's probably going to be getting a similar amount of, of workload this week because whether the Bucks are are ahead or trailing, he's not going to come off the field. So he'll, he'll, he'll either impact the Vikings game plan as a runner or if they're falling behind the need to play catch-up as they have, um, he's still in there as as an outlet receiver, a guy that's deadly on screen passes. Yeah, he is a very unique player. I don't think – I think you could honestly make a pretty strong argument for Dalvin Cook that he's the best running back in the NFL in the, in the comprehensive sense of the word running back. It's not just running the ball, but it's pass protecting, it's receiving, it's being able to get open on routes. He can really do everything. And so yeah. – a guy like that is super valuable. People love to talk about Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry, and it's great when they're running the ball and the O-line's clicking, but those guys don't make contributions on all three downs the way Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara can make an impact. And look yeah. at what Cook's producing this season. Um, you know, I just think he's having a heck of a year. And so tough guy to stop. The Bucks have matched up pretty well with those types this season. They match up better than most teams do on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you like their odds of at least limiting him a little bit, but it comes down to Cousins and these receivers late in the games. They've gotten it done. Think about their last couple losses, Scott. And, and this goes to the Vikings defense, which I know we're going to talk about too here, but it's pretty amazing that the Vikings have given up three defensive touchdowns in the past two weeks that I can even recall two against the Panthers on back-to-back plays Yeah, and ended up winning that game still, which they should not have won. I can't believe they won that game. And, against the Jaguars as well. They gave up yeah. the touchdown to start the second half on the pick six on the screen. Yeah. Pass. There was a miscommunication. And so it's amazing. They've been able to over, even against bad teams, yeah. they've been able to overcome those things and win football games. And those are typically not sustainable ways. So again, the Bucks 
you know, they're going to look at this game and say, oh, you know, they, they were down to the wire with the Panthers and Jaguars. And there's some truth to it. And yep. Minnesota is a team that the Bucks are obviously better than, but they can't come in with that mindset. There's got, there's got to be, you know, a business-like approach to this game. I mean, more so than maybe any game of the season. I mean, this is a massive, massive game. Obvious playoff implications. Um, even with other teams in the NFC struggling, you know, the Bucks could still make it if they lose this game. Right. But no one's taking you seriously if you lose this game. And you limp into the playoffs off beating the Falcons twice sure. and, the, and the Lions twice. And you know what, John? Here's the more important thing. If they lose on Sunday to the Vikings, that's four straight losses at home for this team. Now, home field doesn't really mean anything. It, the Bucks aren't going to play at home unless they somehow get the fifth or sixth seed. And they're playing in the NFC Championship game against the seventh seed, right? That's the only way that there'll be a postseason game at Ray J. And again, as Bruce Arians pointed out this week, uh, Seattle, Green Bay, teams that they could be facing, maybe L.A., uh, there's no crowd noise. And that's usually such a factor uh, in, in the postseason because of COVID-19 and these empty stadiums. But when you look at the schedule, and the Vikings have won five of their last six games, their only loss was to Dallas, 31-28. That was not a, a, a good look for them. But they did beat the Packers in Green Bay, 28-22. to And the rest of the teams they've beaten have been kind of underwhelming. Uh -huh. Detroit, Chicago, Carolina, Jacksonville. So uh, it's, you know, this this is a quality opponent for for not just the Buccaneers to face and the Vikings, who are now 6-6, six and six, but, but this is also – a this is also a um, uh, a team in Tampa Bay that needs I think to have a, a quality win here too it's it's not right. it's not for the the rankings right because your record is your record this is college football um, a, a win by one point against any team counts as a blowout it counts as much as a blowout against uh, another team but but my my point is this you do want to get hot and I think coming out of the bye week, it would be such a deflating factor for Tampa Bay if they were to lose three straight games now and then have to go on the road to a very much improved Atlanta team. You don't want that if you're the Buccaneers. You want no, to win those games, get some confidence. Right. This is such a huge game. I, you can't overestate it enough. You can't. Uh, not only – I mean, you're coming off back-to-back a pair of three-point losses to the Rams and the Chiefs, who I think are two of the best. I think the Rams are really good. I know they've lost to the 49ers twice, and so everybody's like, how oh, is that, you know, and the 49ers aren't going to make the playoffs probably. Uh, but I think they they match up. The 49ers are a weird matchup team. You know, you yeah. say, what about the Packers last year? Packers just got killed by the 49 They had a great year. They were a good team. They're a good team again this year. They got killed by the 49ers twice. They couldn't do anything. And I think – the 49ers give some teams problems that don't – I think the Rams, you get into the playoffs against the playoff field, I think they match up extremely well. So we found out that the Bucs aren't quite ready for the big dogs, for the biggest of the big dogs in my opinion. Right. But you've got to be well, ready to handle a team like Minnesota. You know, Carolina was yeah. playing good football. The Bucs came out and they handled them. They started slow, but they right. handled them. You know, the Raiders were playing good football at the time. I don't know what they are now. They look like a playoff team. They, You know, they beat yeah. the Chiefs and, you know, it's a good football team and – the Bucks they just got waxed by the Falcons. Exactly. <laughs> they handled them. You know, they, they yeah. handled the teams that they that you feel like aren't on that level of late. Now they got to continue to do it. The Vikings are a good football team. There's no doubt. That one and five start. You know, think about the loss to Seattle last play. I mean, think some games like that swing uh, a season real quick. But this is a team that can compete. 
they would compete with anybody, I think. Yeah. You know, other maybe I mean, everybody's competing with Kansas City. So Kansas City too. Vikings can compete with these teams. Um, but the Bucs gotta take care of business. You know, the final score doesn't matter, but right. making sure you finish this game and win this game is crucial. You cannot lose this game. I don't wouldn't I won't even care about whether they're a quote unquote playoff team if right. they lose this game. We'll be done talking about them as a serious contender for 2020 and 20 the 2021 Super Bowl if they are not if they don't win this game. This is a must-win game for them in that capacity. We find out how seriously we can take this team. Yeah, yeah. If they come out here and struggle and it's just a slot fest on both sides, we've got to figure out what they're about next week. You know, but if they right. come out and dominate, or even if the scoreboard doesn't show, if they come out and do what they want offensively, roll up some points. I mean, offensively is where this game's big, right, Scott? Like oh, yeah. we know the Bucks defense is probably not going to be one of the best units in the league the rest of the season. There's too many right. holes. There's so many issues with the scheme. I don't think Bowles has shown enough indication of stopping that at any point. So, you know, I think the Bucks defense got to hold their own. But the offense is really – if this team's going to go anywhere, it's all about what the offense does, and especially Tom Brady, Mike Evans. I wrote about it today yep. over at PeterReport.com. Mike Evans, I think he's got to be great, Scott, this season. Yep. I, don't think he's, I don't think being good is enough. I think most of the season he's been good, but there's been opportunities to make plays for Mike Evans, especially when you think back to the last game against the Chiefs. He didn't make. I know it's sacrilegious to accuse Mike Evans of not making plays. And trust me, I love the dude. He's one of my favorite players I've ever covered in the NFL. Yeah. I love him as a person, as a player. But um, again, you all hear me say this a million times. My job is to be unbiased and just say what I see on tape. Sure. And I thought on tape, I said he was great against James Bradbury, even if the numbers weren't there. He was yeah. great against Jalen Ramsey, even if the numbers weren't there. Right. He well, wasn't as, that great against Kansas City, and the numbers could have been there, and he missed you know what? to make plays. As Keyshawn Johnson once told me, Playing wide receiver might be the hardest thing in the NFL because there's four different guys that can stop you. Number one, a cornerback. Number two, a safety. Number three, your own quarterback who doesn't get you the ball. Number four, the offensive coordinator who doesn't make sure that the quarterback didn't give him the ball. So um, we, we, we'll talk about Byron Leftwich. I was going to say, is this in a, just is this a second because <laughs> we, had, we had quite a, a press conference, a stunner today on, uh, on the Zoom calls. But um, uh, it, listen, I, I threw up the MyBookie promo code pewter banner. So you know what that means, John. It's time for me to talk about MyBookie. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket. And we all deserve to have a little fun, right? The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is at MyBookie. They're the only place that doesn't care whether you're naughty or nice this year in terms of, of a sports book. They're the sports book that I've used for three years now, and they've got gifts for everyone. Bet the NFL. You got NBA and NHL starting up just at the start of 2021. College football still in, in effect right now, and the college football playoffs will be here before you know it. Sign up today at my bookie and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% bonus when you make your initial deposit up to $1,000. So that's a great place to start, right? But we all know what Christmas is about. And it's what's under the tree. And at my bookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up, enter that promo code Pewter, and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. Head over to my bookie and make the most of your holidays this year. Start into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best. Bet with my bookie and use promo code Pewter, John, when you do. Gonna make some money this weekend? 
Yes. I, I just, I, I literally, before the podcast started, went to my bookie and I threw down on my $5 bets. Uh, I, um, I, I'm not going to jinx myself. Um, I went with a lot of, of underdogs on my college money line. You know, that's where I like to go. And I also did some um, underdog betting in the NFL. And I will tell you how I fared on Sunday's podcast, which will be after the game. Our next podcast, the Peter Report podcast, will will wrap up and put a bow on the Bucks and Vikings Sunday night. So we'll have that podcast for you, I think, around 8 o'clock, John. It's kind of what we talked yeah. about. Yep. Eight o'clock on Sunday. So one o'clock start. So you have plenty of time to watch the game, eat dinner, let your food digest, think about the talking points, and then go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash Peter Report TV, Peter Report TV, and make sure you hit the subscribe button and then hit notifications. So if you forget what time we're on, you'll get that notification on your phone. Then join us here in the chat because we're going to post some uh, some of your comments and questions. We also take your super chats too. So if you have a super chat donation uh, and it, if you feel like giving, we'll feel like accepting that. Uh, so Douglas O'Connor wants to ask, what was the pushback on Leftwich today? Well, John, yeah. Leftwich, who does not impress me in the press conferences, and I'm just going to like phrase it that way. Uh, said, and I'm and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the exact quote, but this is what this is the Peter Report tweet. Uh, Bucks offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich says he doesn't know why they're towards the bottom of the league in play action attempts. They can be better at getting more attempts, but it all starts with running the ball consistently, so they can call play action consistently. Now, um, I replied to our own tweet and I said, "You're the OC." and you don't know why you aren't calling more play-action passes? John. I don't get it, man. Like, I don't understand. Here's the thing. Obviously, Leftwich is BSing when he does these things. But why? I don't understand. Like, just give us a real answer, man. You're a person. Like, we're people. Let's just talk. Like, yeah. you don't have – like, he's intentionally accepting the fact that he's going to sound stupid – because he doesn't want to have to explain himself. I just don't yeah. understand. Just explain yourself, man. Like, you know explain what? your mindset. Like, you're going to say, oh, you have to establish the run to be able to do it. I know he ends up saying something along those lines anyway. But it's like, dude, this is ridiculous. Like, you know you don't. You've called play-action passes, successful ones, in games where you barely ran the football, in games where you're trailing significantly. Yeah. So, I, you know, wh why are you BSing us? Like, just – Say you don't want to call that much play action or say you have other things that you like that work or just, I don't know, right. say anything. But or, 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 you can say, or you can say, you know, we haven't done that very much uh, in the past. And who knows? We might do more th this month. We might do more on Sunday, right? But to sit there and say, I don't know why, That's that just stuff. sounds ridiculous. Right. Like It sounds ludicrous. Right. And obviously, like, he's thought about it. And obviously, he knows it because in the NFL, you can't, you know, right. but he opens himself up to – getting trashed, which he's going to say, I don't care about. But at some point, guess what? It matters what other people think. You know, at some point, it sure does. You always say, oh, I, you know, I want to do that. I don't care what other people think. And I'm at the top of that list and saying that and living that way, to be honest. But at the end of the day, at some point, it does matter. Like, in, yeah. at some point, you do sound foolish when you right. talk like that. And there's just no purpose for it. Like, he, you, he, to a degree, you act like you're the smartest guy in the room to the point where you don't need to explain yourself. And it just ends up being a bad look for you. Like, at some point, you know, everybody needs to be accountable. And how many times have we heard Byron Leftwich point the finger at himself and say, you know, we need to do that. Like, this is something I need to do more of, you know, this is, and yeah. then do it, you know, 
right now there isn't enough of that. And when you think you're the smartest guy in the room, you're usually not. And it's that kind of a mindset, in my opinion, that plagues the Bucks offense because there's a lot of things they need to change and learn to become more modern in their approach that will be more successful and make life easier and better for everybody else on that offense. And they aren't doing them. And I wonder if it's some of this mindset like we don't have to explain ourselves. We've seen the fact that we put up yards before in this offense. We know we'll do it again, and we're going to keep doing it until that happens. And I just don't think that's the way to be successful in today's NFL. I'm saying they can't be yeah. successful, and there aren't good things about what they do. But if you're going to reach peace success, look at all the best play callers and offensive minds in the game today, like Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur. These guys are telling you what they don't know, and they're constantly trying to learn and evolve, yeah. and they're open, and they're honest about that process. And that has not been the case in Tampa Bay. Whether it is behind the scenes or not, we'll see. But it hasn't been in front of the fans. Of the you know day. what? Listen, Byron Leftwich is is somebody who has been kind of uh, not by us, but talked about as being a potential head coaching candidate. You know, and um, I mean, I, I would I would take a chance on Eric Bieniemy first. <laughs> right? Sure. Um, Brian, um, Campbell, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I I would yeah I would not I would. I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm, hey, I'm going to hey, bite my tongue. Team, go get him. <laughs> yeah. What are, yeah. What are all Thomas say? He went to the Cowboys lockers. Come get me. That's all. <laughs> I'm going to come get him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, will, I will say this, right? Because Byron Leftwich has taken a, a lot of criticism and, and deservedly so. And it's come from you and I and Buccaneer fans and, and the Peter Report staff. I will say that I asked Tom Brady today um, about him taking over like the play calling duties in, in the respect that that he he's 12 games into this offense now. He's got a better understanding of it. And he has the ability that Jameis Winston didn't last year of making those audibles at the line of scrimmage and changing the plays. And and, and I kind of heard from Tom Brady that that he was taking more ownership of it and getting this team into you know better looks and better plays. And, and and he's he stated the obvious. He said that that you know there's no way that that an offensive coordinator can call a play and know that it's it's necessarily going to work before the defense lines up. Right? You're you're making a call of either we want to do this regardless of what they're in, and we hope that we've done enough study film study that typically in in third and long we're going to get this look, and and their tendencies are to do X, Y, and Z. So we're going to put the play we think is going to work best against that. That's the that's the call that, that Tom Brady gets in the headset. But right. he he is having the final say-so about whether that play is executed or not. So I would not be shocked if we see this become more of Tom Brady's offense, not the Tom Brady's playbook, not the New England Patriots offense. This is still Bruce Arians' offense. But you're going to see, I think, over the next four weeks, Tom Brady say, I'm the most experienced guy here. I'm the guy who is going to be handing the ball off or throwing it. I'm the guy who's got more Super Bowl rings than anybody in Tampa. You can put them all together and add them up, and I'm probably number one. Um, and, and, and I want that. I, that's why you bring Tom Brady here. That's why you pay him $25 million a year is you want the GOAT. Okay, well, let the GOAT call the plays rather than Byron Leftwich. That's what I'm saying. Right. I mean, especially the last scrimmage, like you said, you're right. Like the smarter your quarterback is and the better looks he can get you into. They're the only ones that see, you know, the plays, you know, see the lineup and everything and know um, what's coming and what can hurt the defense best. And so, yeah, having a quarterback like that, huge for getting this team and better looks. There's no question about it. 
And, you know, let's just be honest. We look at a lot of these things and we say, yeah, hot quarterbacks, good receivers. That doesn't really bode well for the Bucks defense based on what we've seen for the last month of the season. But offensively for the Bucs, they're about to face three of the worst pass defenses in the league and three yeah. of the pass defenses in the league that have given up the most vertical, big, deep passing plays down the field, which is what Bruce Arians wants to do. So, again, I'll say this all day. You won't find three defenses in this league to go up against right now in a row that are better to get hot and get your kinks ironed out against than these three. We can talk about the Bucks defense all the day. Yeah. I think they'll struggle. I think they'll see their ups and downs. Bucks offense got to own the last month. They got to. They got to hit big You're plays. Right. They can run the ball. These are not great pass rushing teams. Some of them have gotten a little bit better. But as a whole, these have not been. I mean, the lines are, like, ridiculously bad, like, historically bad for, like, the last three seasons under Patricia. And I know he's gone now. But yeah. they just don't have a lot of pass rushers. This is a team the offensive line should be able to win. Brady should have time. Receivers should be able to win. Matchups, tons of rookie corners across the board. We talk about the Vikings. They've got inexperience a corner, rookies a yep. corner, Gladney and Danzler, who have both played better of late, no question about it. But these are rookies going up against three of the best receivers in the NFL. Like, I'm not. I'm tired of excuses. I'm yeah. tired of time. I know the Vikings have really good safeties. They're probably going to play a lot of too high to get these guys involved. Get yep. your too high beaters out and, and run them against this team. Don't. Just run four verts and, and have the Vikings play quarters all game. But get creative right. and find ways. This team's going to play two deeps. You better be able to run the football. If the Vikings are going to play that yes. way. The Bucs got to run the football. The Vikings do not yep. have a, the formidable defensive line. They've typically had no Denell Hunter out there, no Everson Griffin, no Linval Joseph. Those guys are gone. You have to be able to be successful in those things. There's no excuses for the Bucs offense. You're right. Not anymore. Next, last month, they've got to be one of the best offenses in the league. There's no, no way God. around Trivia question. Who is the Vikings leading sacker this year? Gosh, if I would have had internet the last couple of days, I could have told you. Let me think. <laughs> I know it put you on the spot, my friend, uh, but it's actually a trick question. Here's the trick. It's a tie. No, the, the leading sacker for the Vikings this year is Yannick Ngakwe. But oh, the problem man. is he's in Baltimore now. Yannick Ngakwe had five sacks to start the season, and then they traded him to Baltimore. So, they traded the one guy that was good after they yeah, traded for him. Yeah, they, they did. And so out of Minnesota's 21 sacks, five of them are gone, right? So they have 16 sacks in 12 games if you take out those five from Ngakwe. And uh, Efedi, uh Efedi's probably the leader after that, right? He is, three and a half. And he had one for a safety in last week's game. Then you have Eric Wilson with three blitzing. And then you've got uh, DJ Wanham with three. Uh, their designated pass rusher, Hercules Matafa, uh, has got one and a half. And Jaleel Johnson, the defensive tackle, one and a half. Um, they do like to blitz Harrison Smith, and he did get to Mike Glennon for a split sack last week. And, and that's the one guy that if I'm Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady, i, I got to make sure I account for him and figure out where he is. He's going to spend most of his time back there in cover two where he had an interception, a key interception, of Glennon in last week's game, but they'll also bring him, and he's part of their blitz package. One thing that I've seen Mike Zimmer do from a defensive standpoint is he likes to rush four. The problem is those guys can't get home. You will see a lot of, of defensive tackle stunts. They, they like to, to stunt their tackles, not just their ends and tackles, as the Rams like to do. These are tackle stunts, and they'll, they'll line up three guys on one side of the line, and then one guy, and they'll, they'll – kind of create this this wide open B gap 
on the strong side, but they do this weird tackle twist where both of those guys end up attacking different gaps just to kind of cause some confusion. But the thing is, it's it's largely ineffective. So I think against Tampa Bay's offensive line, I don't see their front four getting home. I think that they're going to have to to blitz Tom Brady very much like we saw Steve Spagnuolo and the Chiefs do. And, and when they bring their pressure, they bring it off the edge. And that's where Tom Brady got into trouble in that Chiefs game. Threw an interception and actually had another uh, pass that doinked off of one of the defensive linemen's helmets and got picked off. And who picked that one off? Tyron Matthew, a safety. Out of Brady's 11 interceptions, six have come at the hands of safeties. And that's where Harrison Smith comes into play. So I think if, if they can avoid Harrison Smith being a factor, either as a pass rusher on blitzes or as a guy that can pick off passes, I lay Tampa Bay's chances offensively to move the ball and score points on Minnesota. Yeah, Anthony Harris, too. I mean, both their safeties in the middle of the field can make plays on the ball. I think Anthony Harris had seven picks a year ago. Um, and so both those guys are, are playmakers. Again, you've got to be able to find your cover two beaters. You can't just throw and right at these guys like they did against the Rams and against the Saints. You know, they're not as deceptive in their coverages, I think, uh, as the Rams are. I don't know if anybody is. Um, and so we'll see kind of how it all shakes out week to week um, uh, in, or snap to snap, drive to drive within this game. But like I said, if the Vikings are going to sit too high most of the game and they're going to play pretty zone heavy, you know, the Bucs are going to try and pound that inside run game. And if Eric Hendricks isn't playing, um, yes. he's been hurt, that's their best defensive player, in my opinion. Shout out to Harrison Smith and shout out to Anthony Harris, but their best defensive player is Eric Hendricks. He's great against yeah. the run. He's an unbelievable cover guy, and he makes plays on the ball every single year. Game yep. changer type at linebacker. They're not. Oh, yeah. You know what? The Bucs loved him coming out of UCLA. They, they, so did I. <laughs> yeah, they, they loved Kendricks. I did too. He was actually a Bucks best bet at the at the inside linebacker position several years ago uh, in our pre-draft stuff. A phenomenal player, and he missed last week's game with a with a pre-game calf injury. He's not practiced. We haven't seen the injury report just yet, but he did not practice yesterday, so that's not a great sign. Calf injuries can be really tricky. Remember when Vita Vea injured his calf? in training camp and missed four weeks. That's a really tricky injury. And uh, so I, I suspect he won't play on Sunday. And that's good news for the Buccaneers because when you look at at how the Jacksonville Jaguars, and keep in mind, Mike Lennon is more of that dink and dunk rhythm type passer. But uh, if you look at what the Jaguars did to really move the ball, Tyler Efert caught all six of his targets for 45 yards on Sunday. The other tight end, James O'Shaughnessy for the Jaguars, had four catches and six targets for 41 yards. That's that's 10 catches for 89 yards between both tight ends. This, this could be a very big day for Rob Gronkowski and Cam Brait, uh working against those linebackers, that linebacking core that, that probably won't have Kendricks. And also you throw into the mix Chris Godwin out of the slot where he operates so well. So I, I could see Tom Brady kind of – you know, looking at that film, Byron Leopard saying this, you know, let's let's continue to probe this. If they don't have Kendricks, this that middle of the field uh, and the, those little eight to 12 yard uh, routes, you know, that's that's like free money. Right. And remember, I mean, on the outside, the Vikings don't have a lot of speed demons either. So Evans vertically, if you can get them one on one and you can get the Vikings in a situation where they aren't helping their corners like they have been most of the season, you know, you can hit big plays on Dantzler. You know, you, I think he's the four six guy in. 
Haven't yeah, I was gonna, are you saying that Cameron Dantzler is not fast, John? He's confirmed not fast. Uh, he makes the <laughs> plays this year. You know, he's got some some good traits. I don't want to knock him too much. Yeah. You know, but but he is you know definitely a guy that you can ha you can he can be had down the field a little bit. Yeah. Glad he's playing in the slot, and so they've got you know guys that are still developing a little bit at those positions, and other guys that are hurt that they would have thought would have been in the starting lineup, and so. You know, it's definitely a position where the Bucks have to be able to win one on one, but also you know that Zimmer's not going to come out and leave those guys on an island. He's just not. You know, we saw right. early in the season how that went, and he's going to try and help these guys as much as possible with the scheme, with the calls. So again, it's got the Bucks have to be able to run the football. I'm not saying that they prioritize the run. I'm just saying when they run, it has to be effective. It's more yeah. about quality and less about quantity for the Bucks. Like they just have to be able to be successful when they run because they're going to probably get favorable looks against the yeah. team that, you know, that they frankly are more talented than up front. They just are. Right. And so, like I said, Scott, it, there isn't anything on paper that this offense shouldn't be able to do over the next month. They have yeah. to be able to execute and not beat themselves, and they can be playing peak football in time to hit the playoffs. You, yeah. you, you, you say, oh, it's not great competition. Like, I don't care. Like, if you're rolling as an offense and your confidence up and you've put up, you know, 30, 35, 40 points last four weeks of the season – that's huge. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know, th then you have to go play better teams. Sure, that's always going to be the case when you get to the playoffs. But you've got to be able to control what you can control before you get there. Right now, Bucks have a great schedule to be able to get this offense up and running. If they don't, over the last month of the season, there's going to be serious problems in Tampa Bay. Not just for this year's playoffs, but beyond, too. There's just no yeah. excuses. They've had the time. Now they've had their bye. Iron out the kinks and get this thing up and running. Patience. You can tell it by voice, Scott. My patience is running. I've been patient all season. Yeah. I've been the guy pumping the brakes on all the fire people, fire people talk. Right. But I'm telling you, this is the time. It needs yeah. to happen over this month. I, I agree. And we're talking about Cameron Dantzler. And uh, it is fair to note that he's coming off his best game as right. a rookie. Um, you know, a third round pick out of Mississippi State. He actually had his first interception. Nice pick. Yeah. Forced, the, forced a fumble and fumble recovery. In that game, 6'2", 188 pounds, not exactly fleet of foot. I suspect they're going to put him on Mike Evans. I look for Mike Evans to have his way against Cameron Dantzler. Um, while Dantzler had his best game as a Minnesota Viking, one guy that, that had his worst game as a Minnesota Viking was, was uh, Dan Bailey, veteran kicker who spent most of his time in Dallas, the last three years of which have been in Minnesota, missed two field goals and an extra point. Ooh. And, uh, you, you know, uh, the, the kickers have a, a, a penchant and a tendency to struggle at Raymond James Stadium, and not just um, the Bucks kickers, opposing kickers do too. So we will, we will have, um, uh, I think, a, a kicking showdown at Ray J as well. And I like Ryan Suckup's chances. This is a guy that has missed a total of four kicks. They're really, when you break it down, two field goals, two extra points. Both extra points were blocked, and one, of the, one of the field goals were blocked. So right. he's really only truly missed one kick this year, and he so far, knock on wood, knock on wood is is uh, has played really well, especially at, at Ray J. It's supposed to be pretty uh, uh, favorable Florida conditions, 80 degrees and sunny on Sunday. So there, I don't think there's going to be any inclement weather. But John, um, speaking of inclement weather. Hurricane season is finally over. Can you believe it? I got to think about it now. I, I know. 
<laughs> you're down here now. Exactly. So uh, what I'm going to tell you, John, is something that I had Mark Cook tell me, and that is when you're looking for homeowner's insurance, there's a lot of companies out there that are canceling and not renewing their policies. Some of those companies are even leaving Florida, leaving homeowners stranded, or they're increasing their premiums significantly. But do what I did. Call Briar Greaves and speak directly to Briar or Sam for a personalized touch. The folks at Briar Greaves, you know, they've spent over 30 years in the Tampa Bay area serving people like me and you. And they're family owned and operated. And they do more than just homeowners insurance. They've got life insurance. They've got auto insurance. They've got boaters insurance, commercial insurance for your business, flood insurance, which is a big thing down here living on a big sandbar. So the best part about Briar Greaves, aside from the money they could save you, is they're big Buccaneer fans. They're proud sponsors of the Peter Report podcast and PeterReport.com. So visit BriarGreavesInsurance.com, BriarGreavesInsurance.com, or call 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166. And if you're listening to the podcast, rather than watching us on YouTube, you might think, how do I spell Briar Greaves? Well, I'm going to do it for our audio listeners, B-R-I-E-R, Briar Greaves, G-R-I-E-V-E-S, briargreavesinsurance.com. Well, Scott, the time has come. We need to be able to give our predictions for this game. And I've thought long enough, you know, I would have, you know, I was picking the Bucks to win out of the last month. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot to think about here because I'm, uh, what are the Bucks? Seven and five. So I'm 11 and one this season picking Bucks games. So there's a lot on the line here, Scott. <laughs> but I'm going with the Bucks. I don't think you can pick. The, I said this earlier this season against uh, what, what team? What game was it? Oh, the Panthers. It was the Panthers yeah. game after they got embarrassed by the Saints. I said you cannot pick the Bucks to lose this game if you think they're still a playoff team. If you think they're an actual yeah. contender, can't do it. I still think that about the Bucks. I think they're a contender. I don't think I'm not saying they're my Super Bowl pick or my Super Bowl favorite. They haven't been at any point this season, but I think they're a contender. I think yeah. in the NFC, especially this year, a lot of different things can happen. It depends on matchups a lot. I've said that. I like the Bucs to get hot over the last month. Will it mean anything? We'll see. We'll see who they match up against. We'll see who's healthy. We'll see who's playing. I'm not really worried that worried yet about talking, can this team win a Super Bowl? I'm worried about can this team be a contender by the time the playoffs come around. It starts with this game. I think the Bucks win. I don't know if it's as good as quality as it should be. You know, it's, uh, think of the Raiders game. That's what, that's the kind of yeah. outcome you'd love to see. You want them just take control late in the game. We know I don't think it's going to be blood in the first quarter the way the Bucks have started games. But um, you know, by the end of the game, you'd like to see them up multiple scores um, and taking advantage of a defense that has a lot of an experience on the field. But the Vikings are tough. They've been playing everybody tough, even if it hasn't been great competition. You mentioned. You know, like five, six weeks ago, they beat Green Bay, and that was a that was a game nobody expected to see go the way it did, and that started their kind of run here back right. to 500. And so I think the Vikings are a tough team, but I think they start to plummet in this game, and they finish the season closer to 8-8, eight and eight, and the Bucks start working their way toward what will hopefully be an 11-5 and five finish to the season. I'm going 31 to 26 as my final score. Okay. Um, thank you, Edward, for that comment. I appreciate it. Um, I, I, too, think that the Tampa Bay wins this game. Uh, I, I like the fact that they've had the bye week to, to really have some extra time to prepare for this one, get healed up, 
and uh, and and I suspect that the Buccaneers start their playoff run here. I'm more concerned about next Sunday's game in Atlanta against an improving Atlanta team than I am about this. Now, if Julio Jones plays in that game, I'll be I'll be super concerned. If he doesn't, I, I like the Bucks' chances because he's a big time playmaker. But I see Tampa Bay putting up enough points. I think it's going to be a close first quarter, and I think the Buccaneers gradually do a little bit more in each quarter. And then the fourth quarter, they really kind of put the clamps down. And that's a quarter that, that Kirk Cousins has really been spectacular. Right. I think Tampa Bay's pass both, rush is going to be revved up. Both those teams have played, you know, played their yeah. best football in the fourth quarter, basically. So yeah. it'll be two slow starters we've got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, that being said, I like Tampa Bay in this one, 34 to 23. I think that there'll be a late touchdown. It's a close game until the Buccaneers score late. And then they kind of pull away at the very end, 34 to 23 is the score in your Tampa Bay Buccaneers all of a sudden eight and five, and they have bettered their win total from a year ago and already shown some progress with three more games to go. John, we talked about our, our season predictions uh, to finish the season in December. You had the Bucks at four. No, I have the Bucks at three and one. We both have the Bucks beating the Vikings. We wrote about that on Tuesday in our Peter report roundtable. So go find out, what Matt and Taylor and Mark also had to say about their finishes in terms of their predictions. And for more Bucks Vikings preview in the predictions of Matt and Taylor and Mark, you can check out the pewter predictions and preview. that's going to come out Friday afternoon on pewterreport.com. My SRS fab five also comes out tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Make sure you check that out every year. I do, what uh, what I call the future forecast, where I take a sneak peek at what's ahead for the Buccaneers offseason. Now, yeah. keep in mind, uh, that column is usually very well received because a lot of Buccaneer fans were thinking about the offseason in October or November in years past when this team's only won like four games. It's fun that the narrative has changed and this team is seven and five now. Right. And, and maybe we don't really start thinking about the off season until mid to late January, rather than right after the start of the new year, as the season has come to a close right around that time too often over the past uh, dozen years. But check out Saturday or Friday's uh, Fat Five with the future forecast, and and uh, that'll give you a good primer uh, as we look at where the Bucks stand salary cap wise, which free agents uh, Tampa Bay has who might come back, who might get the franchise tag, uh, who are some players that might be eligible for either pay cuts or contract restructures to create more cap room. So all of those those topics are discussed in tomorrow's SR's Fab Five. For John Ledyard, I'm Scott Reynolds, saying we'll see you Sunday night at 8 o'clock after the Bucks vikings game here with another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out.